Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It is a beautiful morning out there. Only thing that make it better would be if we got a little shower. I know people are tired of having to water their lawns. But anyway, if there's, uh, I don't think there's any guests here, but if there are, we'd like you to fill out the little connect card, which is in the hymnal rack in front of you, and just drop it either in that box back there or uh, leave it on the pew if somebody pick it up. That way we can connect with you later. For our giving, uh, you can write a check or drop cash in that box back there on the wall, or you can go out to uh, Cypress Street dot church slash give and do it online we do have a baby shower this afternoon from 2 to 3 30 p.m for emma crawford in the fellowship hall and somebody did an excellent job of decorating it you've got to go back here and look at that uh, also at three o'clock some of us will be singing at the guest house Got a Bible study this Wednesday by Carvin Adams. Next Sunday, Carvin will be preaching. And don't forget, October the 12th is our annual church business meeting. So we all need to be here for that. Uh, last Wednesday night, we talked about the Ten Commandments. And I, in my Bible, that's found in chapter 20 of Exodus. On the next page over, it's got a synopsis of the Ten Commandments. And for instance, the first one, you know, you shall have no other gods before me is succinct, short and sweet. But the next commandment, number two, takes verses four, five, and six. But on this other page, it has them all condensed out. The first one says, first one, trust God only. Second one, worship God only. The third one, is use God's name in ways that honor Him. The fourth one, in the Bible, it takes verses 8, 9, 10, and 11 to, to give it all. But in this little synopsis, it says, rest on the Sabbath day and think about God. The fifth one is respect and obey your parents. Children, are you listening? And adults, are you listening to your... Are you still respecting your parents? All right, this next one is protect and respect human life. And there's so many people today that aren't respecting human life. And I don't mean murderers. I'm talking about abortionists. Be true to your husband or wife. That's number seven. Number eight, do not take what belongs to others. Number nine, do not lie about others. And number 10, be satisfied with what you have. So that's the short and sweet version of the Ten Commandments. We'll now have the film. This is the first time we went to do an outreach event basically on the water. And I was excited going to the floating village. I wondered how churches could be ministering in that place that is remote. All the children had to come to the event with their canoe. We were in the boat and as we were moving around, we started singing. And there was that old man in his canoe that started singing and dancing with us. That old man was celebrating God with us. Before we get to the village, there was this huge canoe with all these children that were singing. They were so joyful singing and declaring the power of God. And I remember they had one song that they were like, they were shooting the devil. They are happy singing to the glory of God, happy and trusting that they now have power against the spirit, the evil that they have grown up in. 
gospel has reached these people, these children in this area. Those children who received the box initially, they were in the boat singing to the glory of God. And actually they were preparing all that for the new children that are out of the church to come to the knowledge of Christ as well. That's wonderful. I can see that multiplication has started in that church. We get into that church and we have more than 200 children sitting and waiting to receive the gift boxes. When the gift boxes were revealed, you could see how happy they were. They all started shouting, though they haven't yet seen the items in the gift boxes. When we open up the boxes, they also my joy. You can see them shouting, crying, jumping. Some will grab the item and, and wave it and tell the others, look at what I have. And seeing them carrying the gift boxes, going back to the canoe, and then riding away with joy, with excitement, because they are in such a hurry to go back home and have time to actually enjoy the gift boxes that they received. The impact of Operations Christmas Child in this country is that volunteers are ready to go any place to just deliver the gift boxes and then share the gospel. We have seen them crossing the lake to carry the gift boxes wherever that is needed. And they are ready to go beyond any limitation just to ensure that the gospel is preached that children are discipled and that multiplication of the gospel is happening. Amen. Amen. Won't you stand with us as we begin our worship service this morning singing a beautiful old song, Heavenly Sunlight. Give life 
to your classes now and you may be seated. says speaker introduction does anybody need me to tell you who this guy is over here <laughs> he's the guy that taught me how to backpack years ago he was taking a bunch of youth backpack and he said I need another man to go with me so I said I volunteer and I fell in love with it we bought backpacks we backpacked as a family but anyway, that's who Ray Owens is. He's my backpacking buddy. 
But he's going to be bringing us to God's message today as we had a word, word of prayer. So y'all bow your heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for this beautiful day you've given us to come together and worship you. Now, Lord, we ask your blessings on Ray as he brings us the message you've laid on his heart. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It does bring back old memories. Back when I had a body. And I, I did, I will tell you this, uh, you know, as God blessed me and I got some resources, I would buy all this high-tech stuff and backpacking got more advanced. But uh, with all the wisdom and all the money, 70 pounds of high-tech, lightweight stuff still weighs 70 pounds. <laughs> Woo, did I learn some stuff. Get your outline. Want to get you prepped up and ready to go. A couple things I want to mention to you. Uh, Christmas, Operation Christmas uh, Child in the Shoeboxes is awesome. I understand you guys have been so faithful at it. Uh, appreciate. We even have like official Mitchell girl outfits on today, so we're all set. But uh, that is an amazing ministry. Thank you for what you do there. Dana and I have supported it and um, paid for shipping. <laughs> A lot of times for a lot of boxes, uh, and I appreciate y'all's support for that. That's an amazing ministry. Uh, also, really make sure you mark your calendars uh, for not this Wednesday night, but next Wednesday night. We need everybody in the fellowship hall. We'll have our annual business meeting. Um, we'll try not to make it boring. Uh, there's not really any controversies or anything going on, but if you want one, we'll come up with something. You know, if, 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 I, if we need to do that to get you there. But let me tell you why we need you there, a couple reasons. Um, uh, our quorum is set for the whole year based on the attendance at the annual business meeting, so it's kind of extra special that you be there. So, you know, if, if you're, this is your church home, please try to come that Wednesday night. And also there's some things there, you know, you need to get updated on some financial situations the church is facing. And we'll try to give you a report kind of where we're at and be honest uh, with you about the pastoral search and just be real fair about everything and open. I also want to commend you for, I sat with Sister Carolyn and let's see, it was uh, Butch and Terry and Pat in a nominating committee meeting, and the number of names that you guys nominated was pretty impressive. Uh, we, it took a math teacher to uh, keep ta tabs of all the little tallies and the checks and all. So I want to thank you for that. That was pretty impressive. Uh, I also covet your prayers. Um, you know, when, when uh, I came back as interim pastor, uh, God has plans and I had plans, so I'm trying to work my plans in. I'm speaking in Kansas uh, this next Sunday. So Dana and I leave after service and go over and get Liam and my grandson, take him up to Kansas. So I covet your prayers for that, for safety, uh, and speaking at a, at a, at a new church. Uh, it's already running 125, and um, so just be in prayer for that and uh, pray for Carvin as he shares. And then also remember the missions trip. It's just right around the corner, and you got eight going. And I know the devil will try to attack those eight because they're making a difference. And so I want to have a special prayer now, and in a couple weeks before they leave, I think the 16th, we'll dedicate, have a prayer of dedication. Would you bow with me and let's just pray? Father, we saw this uh, Operation Christmas Child video, and it reminded us of what goes on around the world. Sometimes we're so insulated here in America, and Lord, yes, we see needs, but nothing like what we see overseas. And Lord, you've called many to be in the mission field, and in our church are eight that are going to go with Carvin and Sandy, Lord, in ministry. And we know health issues come up. Several have been attacked that are, that are planning on going, Lord. And I just pray you'd put a hedge of protection about them. Lord, they're our missionaries. We send them out from this church body. So God, we just commit them to safety, to your protection, to your blessing. Pre-anoint everything that happens, Lord, wherever they go. Walk before them, walk with them. And all God's people said.
We want to commit that. Okay, today we're going to talk about God's math. When I was coming up in school, it was arithmetic. I actually got grades. Anybody here remember that? Anybody at all? It was called arithmetic. Okay? Lindsay, you're too young. You wouldn't know that. Arithmetic. Okay? And it only had four things with it. It was simple. I add, subtract, multiply, and divide. And for some people that dividing was really hard. Really hard. And then there came along the new math. So I had to Google it because I remember the new math coming along. When I moved from Louisiana to Kansas, I honestly got a little bit behind because of the transition. And they were a little more ahead and they were into the new math, which was concepts. But if you Google it, it says it was a dismal failure. You know, new math was a failure. They had to go back. So it's kind of interesting. I personally do love math. That's weird. I love statistics. And so who, I never thought I'd be a psychologist. So I end up at ULM and at one point teaching statistics, you know, uh, which is kind of crazy. I was teaching exceptional child, abnormal behavior, love 201 introduction, huge classes, you know, everything. And then statistics. So it's kind of a wide range of activities. Well, there was a guy that wrote an article about a graduate school professor who uh, did a pretty good job of teaching and so one day what he did he said we're going to do something different today we're going to do some therapy so what I want you to do is draw a picture of somebody that you can't stand somebody that's done you wrong in life anybody here ever had anybody doing something wrong in life if you're breathing you go, yes, of course you have. You know, that's life. So, you know, I want you to draw you a picture of them the best of your ability. And, um, and we're going to put it up on the board and we're going to throw darts at it. Okay, and he had this set place there and all this and all these spots. And by the way, one person drew a very detailed picture of them. We even had freckles and everything. You know, really a struggle. And they all took turns throwing the darts at them. Now I want to stop there a little later, we'll come back to that. Most of us, if not all of us, have somebody or some people through life that's given us a rough time. And we've been done wrong. And that's a big possibility. So throwing darts at pictures of them, what would Jesus say about that? I'm so glad you asked. So if you'll turn to your text there in scripture, we'll look at it. We've been talking about Peter and about the making of a person of God. So what we've been doing in this series, this is the third one, we're looking at Peter's life and we're seeing how God worked in Peter's life to make him who he was. And I love Peter, impetuous, ADHD, you know, who he was. And I, and I just guess we all can relate to that and how God turned him around. So the text is Matthew 18, 21 through 35. I'm reading it from the original NLT. It'll be a little different than your version perhaps. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Let me stop right there. The rabbinical code law was three times. So I want you to just think about, Peter's come a long way. Three times. That's the law. That's the rabbinical code. He's going, seven times? You know, you can, can you see what I'm talking about? That adds a little bit to it. No, Jesus said. You know, kind of took the wind out of his sails. Jesus replied, 70 times seven. And right there, I got to go say, what? You know, I mean, like, wow. Verse 23. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date for his servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so the king ordered that he, his wife, his children, and everything that he had be sold to pay the debt. But the man fell down before the king and begged him, Oh, sir, be patient with me. I will pay it all. Then the king filled with pity for him, and then he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him some money, a few thousand dollars. 
He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me, I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and jailed until the debt could be paid in full. There's going to be a payday. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him what happened. Then the king called in the man that he, that he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison until he paid every penny. And here's the key. This is tough. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters in your heart. Wow. I think we've got to work at developing mercy. And what, what in this parable does it say about me and does it say about you? And I think one thing it says is you and I owe a billion dollar debt that we can never pay. And there's only one way. We beg for mercy. We ask for this free gift of salvation that Jesus paid the price. So how should we be doing if we beg and plead with mercy? How should we do with other people? Now here's the problem with us humans, many of us, naturally, we keep score. You know, we kind of keep score. And let me stop just a minute. Some things I'm going to say today do not apply to an abusive person in a relationship that's abusive to you. Doesn't apply to certain things. And there's some wisdom to keeping score in a minor way. In other words, if you want to be a friend, you need to be a friend. So if Butch and I are friends and we're longtime friends and he's always buying lunch because Butch does that then every once in a while I need to buy his lunch back. And actually what I ought to try to do is buy as many lunches for him as he buys for me. I don't have to, he's my friend. I'm just saying, see what I'm saying? In other words, as a friend I should try to keep score, but not like to the penny and get weird with it, but I should be fair. Does that make sense? So there's wisdom there. But we like to keep score, but on your outline, I've got uh, something there that says Christ desires to teach us a different math where we calculate with grace. And humanly, I want to be honest with you, it doesn't add up. Here's what I'm saying. Most of the kingdom stuff in the kingdom of God doesn't really add up to logic because we're so selfish, all of us, how we think Kingdom logic is not of this world. What did Jesus say? My kingdom is not of this world. It's different. And grace math is totally different. So we're going to have fun today. And we're probably going to have some tough times today. And I want you to feel free to laugh if you, if you, if you get an opportunity to. You know, like once in a while. And then if it's not too good, you can go, ooh, or oh me. Or just shake your head. Whatever. Okay. Frederick Butchner, in The Magnificent Defeat, wrote in 1966, won a Perlitzer Prize. And in it, he said, when we love equals, that's a human thing. What do I mean by loving equals? That's somebody that's equal with you in status, a friend, um, you know, a brother, somebody like that. That's a human thing. Love for the less fortunate, that's a beautiful thing. In other words, those that have need, those that are struggling, someone that's down and out, that's a beautiful thing. Woo, this is getting good. Love for the more fortunate, that's a rare thing. Do you follow what I'm talking about? Love for people that have more than you, that appear to be blessed more than you. See, this, the sermon's preaching to the preacher. Because I know somebody, and I'm on the internet, so I can't talk too much. But I know somebody that is just like the biblical thing. Lord, how can you be blessing this person? <laughs> They're the master of all jerks. They're super jerk. And you're blessing them. You know, that, sometimes that happens. But if you can love somebody that's even more fortunate and be happy for them that they're blessed, that's a pretty rare thing in a form of love. And then there's love for your enemy. 
You talk about rare, that's a God thing. Because did you know, I can think on this side of earth, those are the people we write books about and make movies about, they're so rare, like Corey Ten Boom, who are loving the abusers, who change the whole nation, the whole world, the people that have done that, or Jesus Christ who came and loved us while we were yet sinners, and God hates sin, Jesus did that. That's Jesus' love, love for your enemy. And Jesus loved his enemy. It didn't mean he didn't speak the truth, but he had love for them. And by the way, he had an amazing ability that I think God gives us a glimpse of and we can use where he looks upon the heart of people. You know, and if you notice in the story, that was a lot of that as well. The guy got forgiven, but his heart wasn't, wasn't right. And so he got caught. And we can be caught. I think in this room, there's a lot of us that are like the first guy forgiven. We've been forgiven much. We've been blessed a lot. But we're not too good about blessing. Can you imagine somebody getting blessed so much and then don't even want to give? And I don't mean necessarily just money, but you know, don't want to give back. Don't want to give back. That, that's unbelievable. So if we're going to move up in the love chain from human thing to beautiful thing to rare thing, using this Perlet Surpriser, all the way to a God type love, there's some things we need to talk about. Why is God's math of grace, why is God's math so hard? First one, forgiveness is not our first or natural instinct. Whichever one you want to put in there, it's not our first instinct. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, the first thing that comes to your mind is not, God bless you. It might be, bless your heart. I don't know, I think maybe if we were, you know, one thing about Star Trek I always thought was amazing, watching the whole series all the way through and all that, is no matter where they were, there always was some kind of camera on. Something would happen way back there and the ship would go back and he'd show what happened. You know, they'd go back and look at it. Well, if we had something in your car taping you when somebody cut you off, or if you're driving and you drop something and you're trying to get it and, you know, all that, it'd be interesting to see what our response is. So, no, it's not our, the first thing is you jerk. You know, kind of stomp the gas. I've passed people before because they're driving so slow and I waited till the right time and I got around and then they speed it up. And I want to like have, this is, I'm going to invent this. Where your, car, where your car on the back could read a message. And you say, it's not Alexa in a car, what is it? Siri's in a car, I've got my Honda has some kind of Honda talk thing. Uh, would, you, would you say... So what's your problem? You can drive fast now? You know, flashing or something like that. <laughs> you know, wouldn't that be great? Just remember, I invented it. I get two cents for everyone. <laughs> Secondly, forgiveness is giving up power and rights. We're going to have fun with this. When somebody really messes up, they owe you. And you have power. What are you talking about, preacher? All right, let's talk about a married couple. Not that this ever happens, but a married couple. One of them messes up and you owe your spouse. You know you owe your spouse. And when your spouse owes you, you know it. And so the lip comes out. And you get the silent treatment. Just saying. And you want to hold back on the forgiveness for as long as you can. Maybe even kind of process it. And you have a little power over that person. Now you guys are looking like you don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to open the altars up today. We, I need to go ahead and move this right here because this place needs to be full. <laughs> the altars need to be full. Because you know there's not one righteous in here. No, not one. <laughs> There's just this tendency when somebody owes you to hold on to it as long as you can. Now I got that it might take a little while to process something. 
But, you know, some people kind of hold on to that. And they keep bringing it back up. You know, I'm bad about that. I would do something. My daughter, Brooke, bless her heart. And then a little bit later, and another thing. <laughs> Thirdly, forgiveness is caring more about the person than the pain. Now, we're talking about if you truly love someone, if you love them a lot, you really care more about them than the thing they said or the thing they did that hurt you. And so instead of holding on what they did, you let it go. Now I want you to think about Jesus on the cross in pain. He wasn't thinking about the torture, about his pain. He was thinking about the soul of the torturers, including a centurion right there that would get to know him. And some, bless their heart, few disciples and all these people. That's who Jesus is thinking about. So he's able to bypass the pain to think about the person. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's a Christ-like trait. Next is forgiveness is choosing to suffer for somebody else's sin. Choosing to suffer for somebody else's sin. If, you know, if you choose to cancel a debt that somebody else owes and you say, I'm paying for it. And I'm not talking just money. I think I've probably paid more emotional debts um, and occasionally a physical debt, but usually it's more emotional. Uh, somebody messes up, it causes drama, whether it's in a church, an organization, and a family, and I'm pouring hours in it. We recently had a situation here, and, and, and I'm just saying, y'all know what I'm talking about. And there was a lot of hurt and a lot of drama that took on all our lives to kind of cover, and we didn't do a thing. <laughs> we, we didn't do a thing. <laughs> You know, and, and, and many times you can be doing the right thing, but you, you choose to do what it is to give a lot of grace and to let that go. And finally, forgiveness is giving something to, something, something to those who do not deserve it. Have you ever said, man, they don't deserve it? And here's my answer to that. Absolutely they don't deserve it. Can, there, can anyone stand up and say, I deserve to be forgiven by God? No one. No one can. So all of these are analogies for what Christ did to us and what we can do in our life. I was thinking about the United States and what countries we kind of despise or our enemies and there's Korea probably Iran would be still up there you know particularly with them working toward nuclear power and stuff and I read a story I can't even pronounce the name of a this guy named Ali who's a 22 year old son uh, was stabbed to death by a 17 year old over in Iran and it was over a very trivial thing it was an argument and and also um, the 17-year-old stabbed the guy over a, 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 just an argument. Well, according to Islamic law, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. So the 17-year-old was convicted. They don't care about age or anything else. You just wouldn't believe the justice systems in other places. And we obviously have gone too far one way. But anyway, he's convicted. They build a 30-foot gallows right in front of the store where he stabs them at. Okay, that's how they set it all up. And they're going to hang him in front of the store. Anyway, but Ollie went to the officials just a few minutes before they were set to hang him. He just couldn't go through with it. And he said, I forgive him, let him live. Now he still went to prison. As the story goes, if you read it, it says, I thought about that. Could I do that? I hope I could do that. Could I do that? But as the story goes, the father of the 17-year-old came to Ali, fell at his feet, and said, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting him live. Began actually trying to kiss his feet. He just couldn't believe it. Even though his son's going to be in prison, maybe the rest of his life. But you think about that. Did the 17-year-old deserve forgiveness? Absolutely not. Did he deserve death? Yeah, technically, he did. But he got grace. 
And I thought about that, and that's exactly what's happened to us. And I know that's an extreme uh, example, but God did that for me. Did he do it for you? I deserve death, and he took my place. And I deserve, you know, like if you're addicted, and I don't mean necessarily alcohol, drugs, it could be anything, pornography, food, it could be anything, things that we all struggle with. You know, Christ takes that, nails it to the cross, and gives us victory. And so we don't deserve the freedom that we get. It's not just salvation to go to heaven. It's salvation to live a spirit-filled life now. Brothers and sisters, we can live above the world and live, how can I say this? Like live in the kingdom somewhat now. Not fully, but what did Jesus say? My kingdom come, God, your will be done on earth now. So when we get saved and we get set free, we can begin to live kingdom-wise, kingdom math, kingdom grace, kingdom different. Does that make sense? On this side. Now, we're still on the earth. <laughs> Our feet are planted on the earth. And we still run around with jerks and unsaved and all kinds of issues. So we struggle with that. But God's calling us, brothers and sisters, to be different, to live a holy life. That's what we're called, and I know that's not popular, but that's what God's called us to do. I have also on your outline, human nobility will forgive more than expected. Godly grace will forgive more than is even reasonable. Remember Peter says seven times, And Jesus says seven times 70. And I want you to think about Peter. When Jesus said that, what did Peter do? Did you think he knew he would deny him three times? When he looked at Judas and he loved him, he knew he was going to betray him. When he looked at Thomas, he knew he was going to doubt him and have doubters issues, struggle with faith. When he looked at James and John, he knew they were going to fight over who gets the glory of sitting next to him. I'll be at his right, and you'll be at his left. No, I'm at his right, and you're at his left. Okay, I'll sit in second chair, but after two weeks, I move over. <laughs> and we don't mention the other disciples, but I'm going to, he knew all of them were going to run and weren't even there. That's one reason I like Peter. At least he was there. The others were all hiding somewhere. So my point is, Jesus has forgiven them. He's teaching this to them, knowing they're going to mess up. So God knows Ray Owens is going to mess up. He knows you are, but he's provided grace for that. That's his math. That's the way he functions. So when I get freedom, when I get set free, when I get forgiveness, what should I do? Turn around and give forgiveness and give grace. That's God's math. It's not the new math. It's God's math. So applying God's math to us means count with grace. I remember having an issue with a church that I was working with and it was really tough and split. And the Bible has pretty clear things when there's divisions in the church, biblical model to follow. And I was consulting with another pastor, you know, and I went through and he said, look, I've kind of got a little thing I wrote up and, you know, here's, and I'll never forget what he said. Look, when it's all laid out and it's so close, always err on the side of grace. I never forgot that. That's wise, wise words. Count with grace. Others will constantly need it. Can I get an amen? You don't need it, but they need it. Anybody in here ever got cocky? I've learned when I get cocky, I'm going to get knocked down. <laughs> it don't matter. I can tell you a personal story, but I'll stick with this man. When I moved to Kansas, my, my wife, Dana's uh, first cousin, was the director of the ski school in uh, Vail, Colorado. So, you know, this old southern boy, 
flatland swamp boy, you know, is up in the mountains. I fell in love with skiing. It's, it's amazing, it's addicting. Young people do not go, do not ever go, because it is, you know, finally when I had my, you know, I'm going down double diamonds and blacks and my legs are on fire and my knees are on fire and I went off a jump and caught a bunch of air and fell and rolled and didn't break a bone, I heard a voice saying, it's time to give it up. <laughs> you won't heal. And I did. This guy, if you know anything about skiing, the lift is moving, not super slow, not fast, it's moving. It does not stop. And it comes around and you're waiting there and it kind of comes and if there's a good high dollar place, they kind of have the chair, two people or three people, and they kind of swing it back and help it come under you. You get, and then you grab a hold and go on up. Everybody knows that and all. And then they have a no ski zone around where the lifts drop you off. They do not stop, they've never stopped. Or if somebody messes up and you're way up there and they stop, that's a little spooky for a minute, <laughs> you know, they, they kind of stop. Well, there was this guy who was skiing around and he ignored the signs and he skied right into the uh, chairlift to hit him in the head. So he filed a complaint and a claim with the insurance company. The company denied it and the man was real upset so he called them what was the reason and they said pre-existing condition. And uh, so he called and the guy said yes sir, getting hit by a ski chair the way you did and the place you did makes you an idiot and that's a pre-existing condition. I thought that was, I told Dana that this morning and she rolled, okay? <laughs> so the next time somebody's an idiot or another word that you choose, maybe that one doesn't bother, you know, that, you know, like, just remember it's pre-existing, you know, they might not can help. Look, people will do stupid things, people will let you down, and they'll sometimes do things that really, really hurt you. And... There's always going to be a need to give other people grace. Again, I'm not talking a repetitive, abusive thing that doesn't need intervention. I'm just talking in life. Look at the scripture there. All of us have faults. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Since God chose you to be a holy people whom he loves. Remember I said that earlier. You must clothe yourselves with these things. Tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, the opposite of cocky, gentleness and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person that offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. That is a very good scripture. Probably ought to put it on the refrigerator. Two men who worked together decided to go out and have some fun rather than go home. And they're really late coming in. They knew they'd be in trouble. The next day at work, one said, well, how was it for you? And he said, oh, it's bad. It was really bad. My wife went historical. He said, you mean hysterical? He said, no, historical. She brought ev up every single thing I've ever done wrong. <laughs> when I come to God and when that time comes... I don't want God to go hysterical. I don't want God to go historical. In fact, I want to have asked for forgiveness for everything. And when you ask for forgiveness in a pure heart and truly confess it to him with a true heart, guess what he does? Cleanses us from all that, puts it in the sea of Forgetfulness. Good. Don't forget the sea of forgetfulness. In other words, it's moved as far as the east is for the west. That deserves a clap, right? Woo! My goodness, when I confess my sins and, I, and I'm sincere and I'm, man, he moves it away. I'm glad. It's, when you stand before the judgment seat, that'd be terrible if he brought up everything that, if it's forgiven, it's forgiven. It's gone. We'd be here for two weeks. You talk about a boring business meeting. 
And on this day you did this. And by the way, we have 300 more this year to cover. <laughs> and then what about Brother Lowry? He's 95. Okay. We'd have 95 years <laughs> to go through. Two. Count with grace. Count with grace. It blesses you. Long time ago, uh, this is a cool story. You know, if we cancel debt, we enrich ourselves. If we keep a debt, we're going to suffer. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And I'll kind of give you some examples. Long time ago, a very rich man in Springfield, Illinois, and a couple of you are going to have a ding going off, claimed a man owed him $2.50. Now, in fairness, back then, that was a fair amount of money, okay? The man wouldn't pay it, so he tried to have him arrested, but the police there wouldn't arrest him. The judge threw it out, so the rich man decided to sue him in civil court. So he went to a young attorney that would take the case named Abraham Lincoln. And this attorney there in Springfield heard the case and said, okay, I'll get your $2.50 back, but my fee is going to be $10. And by the way, that's how civil suit works. If you, somebody does you wrong and they owe you a thousand, it'll probably cost you two thousand, you know, all the, okay. So he says, oh, you got it, I need to win this case. Abraham Lincoln goes to the guy and says, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you five dollars and you turn around and give that man two fifty of it and we got a deal. And that's what happened. The man went and said, I'm sorry, here's $2.50, kept $2.50 for himself, made $2.50 for the crime, right? And Abraham Lincoln made $5. Now, the moral of that story is a lot of stuff there, but is the guy that had it in for him got suckered for $10. Well, let's just multiply it times 100 times. You follow what I'm saying? Think about it. There are people, it's the principle of the thing. Buddy Hackett, I've quoted him before, said, I learned a long time ago not to hold grudges because while I was fuming, they were out dancing. And I've seen some other stories where, let's just say somebody rips you off or does something bad and they're sitting in Tahiti on the beach having a good time and you're just, I hate them, I'm miserable and you get stomach ulcers, high blood pressure, strokes. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. All, and they're just going, having a wonderful time. Sometimes we need to be careful about holding accounts. So I actually preached a sermon one time, a series, and, uh, a sermon I call Bitter or Better. Better or better? Really, it's up to you. God's paid the price. It's up to you to set you free. A lack of forgiveness. You know, speaking of uh, killing you, I was reading a host hostility study. This is cool. Uh, it's a survey of people and how they respond to situations and traffic scenarios. And so they rated them. Philadelphia, which is the city of brotherly love. Good. Was number one in hostility. So it should be the city of brotherly love and hostility. <laughs> they discovered the cities that ranked the highest in hostility also just happened to have the highest coronary heart disease. That fits, doesn't it? Fits. Look at your angry people are killing themselves. And when we're angry too long, we're doing the same thing. Look on your outline, Philippians 2. Your attitude should be the same that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he didn't demand and cling to his rights as God. He made himself nothing. He took human position of a slave, appeared in human form. And in human form, he obediently humbled himself even further by dying a criminal's death on a cross. Because of this, God raised him up to heights in heaven and gave him a name that is above every other name. What did Jesus gain by what he did? He followed his father's will. Nevertheless, my, you know, your, your will be done. He didn't want to do it. He did it. But now he is the most exalted, the best name, sitting at the right hand. There won't be Peter and John up there. It's him. 
And I think sometimes this morning, maybe there's somebody here that needs to let something go. Quit living in the past and get over it. And if you've confessed something and it keeps being brought up, I'm going to tell you it isn't God. Who's bringing it up? The devil, Satan. He's the accuser. He's bringing it up and you need to rebuke him and you need to live a life that's holy above that knowing God can empower you to get the victory. And if you're struggling in that, get some help. I mean, we're here. Carve and I, anybody will help you. We'll give you scriptures. We'll pray with you. There's victory in Jesus. Amen. Thirdly, count with grace. You will need to receive it yourself. I will too. There's a very famous thing called you reap what you sow. There was a hot shot young cowboy, you know, thought he was pretty sharp, sharp and a farm hand. The farm hand was riding to town on a donkey. And uh, by the way, you youth think you got it bad. Your parents buy you maybe an old car for your first car. By the way, parents, for your first car, buy them like an old Lincoln Continental tank. So when they get hit, because they're going to get hit, or a truck that's made of iron, they're safe. I checked one time, let's see, in the 16 years I'm pastoring, I don't think one kid didn't have a wreck from the time they started driving some at 15 with some kind of way, all the way in. Now, most of them weren't major, but some were some pretty big wrecks. You know, they're going to have it, so keep it. But you could get them a donkey, okay? So he's riding in town, donkey gets there, cowboy's making fun of him. So as soon as the, the uh, farmhand gets off the donkey, he says, Boy, you don't want to dance? Y'all know the whole thing. He pulls his pistol out. This is, uh, if you ever watch Grit, you'll know what I'm talking about. So he starts shooting at him and he's dancing. Well, he shot six times. Does anybody know what that means? So the farmhand just reached over and pulled out his double barrel shotgun and said, have you ever wanted to kiss a donkey? And he said, you know, I thought I might. And he got down and kissed his donkey. If you want to receive grace, then you better give some grace. Notice the scripture, James 2. So whenever you speak or whatever you do, remember that you'll be judged by the law of love, the law that sets you free. For there will be no mercy if you have not been merciful to others. But if you have been merciful, then God's mercy toward you will win out over his judgment against you. I want to stop just a minute. Remember this. Remember this. So let's just say, not anybody here, but, but it's a struggle. Let's just say that we have accepted the Lord as our personal Savior. We've lived a life for Him. We know the Word of God backwards and forwards. We've read the Bible seven times 70. You know, we're really something. And we've got it all together. But if we don't live by, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. But it's terrible, terrible, worse than the evilest evil if we know that, but we don't move over here and live by the law of love. That's what that's saying. Because then you become a Pharisee and you just add to the law and you're, oh, he didn't do this and she didn't do that. There's no love there. Love sets you free. You, you, you know the law. You follow the law. But you are, live by the law of love. And you love people. And you see people through Jesus' eyes. Does that make sense? You begin to go there. And if you don't do that, then there's going to be mercy. There will be mercy to others you have to give. And if you know all the law, know everything, and don't show mercy, you're nothing but a clanging symbol. In fact, you need to be, what was the TV show? Well, they dong, bong, hit the gong show. So here you come up, and I know the Bible, I know everything, I can quote the Bible back and forth, and all that stuff. Yeah, but so-and-so needed love, and you know, and you judged them, bong, there you go, you're off, you're off the show. 
I got to close. So remember I told you when I first started about the graduate students where the professor had them draw the pictures and y'all remember that or have y'all slept since then? Okay. All right. So the pictures they drew and some were real detailed, some were generic, just like people, <laughs> you know. Well, the professor, what he did was he went up after each picture, pulled it off, and behind it was a picture of Jesus. Guess what he had in it? Dart holes. Bang. Now, is that scriptural, Pastor? That's a little weird. As you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. Sometimes I think we need to remember that Jesus is probably going to have some scars on him like he has, well actually here, here and here and on his feet. He's going to probably have some scars on him because of things I've done to his people. <laughs> you know? And there used to be a song about that actually talking about that. And I think it's true. So have you received mercy worship team? Have you received grace? Where do you need to be set free? I think this morning there's some forgiveness that needs to take place. I guarantee you there's not one of us that probably needs to just say, Lord, let me know who I need to forgive. Show me. We might not cognitively be aware of it. But, and don't get weird and look for it. I'm saying, God, you show me. Let the Holy Spirit show you what, who needs to be forgiven. God, do you need to change my judgmental attitude? Now that would be a victory. Any of us that have that, that get a victory, that's an addiction. Judgmental attitude is an addiction. It's the same as any chemical dependency. It's really hard to overcome. Whose face is on the wall that you've been throwing darts at that maybe we need to take down this morning? Would you stand with me and sing and talk to God about that, worship team? Let's join together in this beautiful old song, Amazing Grace. Shining as the 
thank you, Ray, for that challenging sermon. We all need to remember to give grace because we deserve it or we need it ourselves. Not that we deserve it, but we need it ourselves. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this challenging sermon, Lord. Let us apply it to our lives and go out and show mercy to others. Let us show your love, Lord, to the people we come in contact with. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.